It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Just saying, man, sometimes when people get you there, you just go, you jump way over. Oh, this takes me back to the days of the Lees with the crease right down the middle. Boscos and Latigras. Did you feel my anger? I did. I felt your anger. You feel uh, exploited. I just, I, I feel like, I, you know, I, Key, I, I get all these guys saying, oh, you don't offer us anything. You don't talk to us about tickets. I'm like, oh, wait, Evan, I sent you a bottle of Camus wine. Mm. You know, like, I, I, it was I don't. It intended for Dave Rothenberg. It was not intended for Dave Rothenberg. <laughs> it, was it was not. Re- it was re-gifted. It was for you. Yeah, even if it was re-gifted, you never knew it, it was re-gifted the in the first place. Here, the anger here from Jay is like that anger when you know you're wrong it's and exactly you made a mistake. And instead of admitting the mistake, you're just turning it into no, anger. No, it's and not. Everybody Evan, no, Evan no, is no, telling not. on himself right now. Wait a minute, Jay. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> He's not. He's telling on himself right now. James, first off, stop speaking over Evan. It doesn't make for good content. Okay, you tell us that every day in our post meeting, sure. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, to you, Evan, don't try to backpedal now. It was a nice bottle, Camus, that you and your wife shared. You sent me pictures and everything, and you were very grateful. Now, all of a sudden, you're saying I re-gifted it. There looked like there might have been some Dave Rothenberg backwash in it. You see what we have to deal with, Key? Re-gifting is my thing, though. Dave Dave took a sip of it, spit it back in. He was like, here, give this to Evan. And anyway, Key, they should be happy if you did get – we get gifts from really nice people. What was it? Yeah, I re-gift – I re-gift all the time. Yes. No what problem. was it, old school when he gave him his wedding gift? And he's like, I gave this to you. you. And he's like, no, no I problem. You like it. Max. I love it. It's a bread maker. has three speeds. Max, yeah. I, tell, I tell my wife all the time, Yeah. go in the closet in there. Yeah. You don't need to buy anything else. They got boxes of toys that's there yes. that we have not opened that was given exactly. to them months ago for their birthday. And you're going to another party. So go and get that. I mean, yeah. The whole thing with gift giving, the whole thing with gift giving is it becomes a thing to show you how, you know, how much thought and how much money you spend, how much thought you put into it. And no one wants the stuff that you get them. They want, if they want it, they'll get it themselves if they can get it. Right. You know what I mean? I have no problem re-gifting things. Wine, especially because I got a lot of wine and some of the wine, and this is not being nice, but some of the wine that people give you sometimes, you look at it and go... Not the caliber of Yeah, wine that's I not drink. really what I'm drinking. I'm not I'm not on an airplane right now trying to get a headache, okay? Plus, so. how much wine can you drink? I mean, not you two. You two can drink plenty, but the normal person, how much wine can they drink? What do you mean, Key? You don't like when somebody gives you box wine? No, I've never had box wine. I've had wine had that just... Wine. I've had wine that you know, probably wouldn't hit the taste buds the way that I needed to. Will you drink a bottle of wine if it's a twist-off? Because I'll tell you something. They yes, have yes. bottles now that yeah, are pretty good yes. that are twist-off. Yeah, twist-off, Y'all of sound bougie yeah. as hell, Well, man. I'm just no, trying to figure I, out no, how that's bougie Max you are. that said that. I'm, I'm asking, yes. Key, you just said you didn't want to drink certain wines. So I'm trying to yeah, figure out what level we're no, talking no, about. No, no, not the screw tops. No, they got wax tops, screw top, all yeah, that. All right. I've been in the wine business, so I get it. But, yes, they have quality wine that have screw tops. It's easy. I mean... But there's certain stuff, though, Max, that I don't want to name names, but some of that stuff, mm. yeah, I'm good on. 
Nah, yeah, you're good. You're fat. Nah. Here, but then if you re-gift it, you have to give it to someone who doesn't know anything about wine, right? Like you can't give it to someone. Usually that's it, but or give it to somebody who doesn't give a damn. They just drink for a living. So this is oh. actually interesting that you guys bring this up. My wife and I were talking about this like last week. I think more wines over, actually over a bottle of Camus. Yeah, get, actually or, or nice wines. Nice oh. wines are actually starting to make the switch to the twist off. Yeah, because it's cheaper. Um, it's convenient. obviously more convenient, yeah. but I, I think they're also finding that the wine does taste better with mm. the twist off. So it's just something to keep in mind. I love no, it, it, it. Twist, it twist off, off and it's just, it's easier. Typically twist off is, is to serve now. <laughs> Corks are usually, depending on who the maker is, it's usually something that's going to go in your wine refrigerator. You're not drinking immediately, you know, but the twist offs, you probably are cooking and drinking with it. So it, yeah. In his wine. It, by the way, uh, you hear that? What Key just said, Jay? He had to switch quick from going to your wine set, to your uh, wine, wine refrigerator. Cellar, wine refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that usually goes in your wine cell refrigerator. Hey, man. Yeah. Hey, I, I worked hard. Let's <laughs> yeah. just put it that way. <laughs> Hell, I ain't shy. Don't I, apologize. I want, the, I, want the, I want the people out there who listen to our show to really understand who we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly, I worked my ass off to get to the level that I've gotten to, and I am not shy about my lifestyle at all. I like good wine. No, nothing wrong with it. Pete McConville, our boss, just made a mention of great twist-off conundrum. I did not know conundrum makes twist-off. That's impressive. Mm. Oh, I thought you meant it was like a, a twist-off oh, like riddle. It was a conundrum. Yeah, I oh, it was By the way, Keith, the, the main point of the conversation, we have very ungrateful teammates here. They're not good friends. I can believe that. They're not good. See, thank you for confirming that thought for me. I got no, the same way. That. So for a chance to see Jay throughout the first pitch at City Field on May 31st, Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. So yesterday. You didn't jinx it. I didn't. He didn't get the no-hitter anyway. But. Nestor Cortez, I keep trying to tell people, Yankees have a real top flight, as good as anyone, ace in Garrett Cole. They went out and spent the money. They got a homegrown ace-ish kind of guy, real good number two in Severino, Luis Severino, who's coming back from an injury but was, you know, two top ten Cy Young finishes before he got hurt, and he's rounding back into form. And then they got three guys in the back of their rotation, Tyon they traded for, who's a nice starter, they have Jordan Montgomery, homegrown guy, real good lefty who's had some injury problems, but when healthy, he's been good. And Nestor Cortez, this little lefty journeyman, 5'11 lefty journey, journeyman, Cuban, um, who's just a good starting pitcher. But this year's been really good. Had an immaculate inning, meaning nine pitches, you're out of the inning, three strikeouts, done. That wasn't this, this, that wasn't this last start. That was earlier in the season, but... In this last start yesterday, guys, while I'm on the air on this just in, he had a no-hitter. Through seven innings, a no-hitter. Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, was asked, you know, was he debating sending Cortez back out for the eighth inning? I didn't wrestle at all with sending him back out for the eighth. So hypothetically, he gets through that eighth, even though his pitch count's even more elevated, you would give him the chance? It just depends. Like, I mean, if yeah, if he's at 105, 108, 110, yeah, probably. If we're getting into what I would have considered a danger zone, then maybe, maybe not. But no, he was going. What's so impressive to me about that, he took it into the eighth, it was broken up. But in like the real difference between the front-end rotation guy now and the back-end rotation guy, 
is the front-end rotation guy key. They could see the lineup three times, right? So they can go six-plus. Yeah. The other guys see the lineup twice, then their stuff starts to diminish. Guys start to get a hang of them. You want to take them out before they see the lineup the third time. But Cortez may be turning into the kind of guy who can see that lineup three times because he seemed to have no problem going through it. Well, I mean, he's young, right? Right now, and you know how it goes. As, as they get the book on you and they start to – you just mentioned when you're going through the lineup multiple times, they start to get the book on you after multiple outings not just a couple outings where you're dealing and willing, but as he continues to pitch in the majors, it won't be that way. You will start to look at it where they're starting to get a hold of him in the second time around, Mm -hmm. and now our conversation will be a little bit different. I don't know that that will happen right now, but that's kind of what happens over time when you have guys like Cortez. Jay, I'm going to give you some stats on Cortez from last year, though. Keo, appreciate this. He started 14 games, got into 22 games overall because he was kind of a spot starter, middle reliever type, journeyman type. He's 27 already. But last year in, those, in, in 93 innings and in 14 starts and 22 overall appearances, he struck out 103 guys. That's well over a guy in inning, which guys do nowadays, with a sub-3 ERA, a 2-9 ERA. He's just good. Mm. Sometimes two nine, I hate yeah, two nine is fringe. Hold on, Keith. No, two nine is great. Sometimes I hate when you bury the lead. Huh? When you bury the lead. Which is? So while you were reporting this on this just in, mm-hmm. fabulous show. Yes. What time, what time and does it air? 2 p.m. Eastern, ESPN. Okay. Just want to make sure you plug that like mm-hmm. you always do. Um, did you say there was a no hitter? Did you not well, let me say tell like, you about where, that. What, what do you go into? And we could talk about the stats and him all day long, and I, I get all that. I'm just curious about your mindset. Like, do you believe in jinxing it or not? Of course. That's now, a bigger conversation. Of course I do. And I let, me, let me tell you how this happened. Brian Bork is my producer on that show. He was also a producer on First Take back in the day. And Brian is a Red Sox fan. So he gives me the news, and he keeps saying, we need to get this into the show. And the way he's doing it, I know what he's up to. He wants me to jinx the Yankees by saying it out loud. And so I came out, and I, I told everyone this just in. There's something very interesting, whatever, is going on. <laughs> For the Yankees right now, Nestor Cortez has gone, at the time, six innings and hasn't given something up. I won't say what. You know, I'm not an idiot. So you're I'm not going to go out and it. jinx him. Yeah, but it didn't even, does it even matter? Of course it does. No, it doesn't. Of course, baseball, listen. Did you jinx him? Uh, just by me bringing it up, I probably did. Oh, I shouldn't have even agreed to report anything at all. Key, are you one of these guys where you, you tie whatever you did or didn't do into the jinx if it doesn't go the way you want it to go? Not real. I mean, it just depends on what it is. Baseball, I, I, it, baseball, I feel, James, come on. I feel, yeah, baseball, no. But I feel like sometimes I can think of something and it happens, and that does, does that the same as jinxing something? Max, do you like Vince Scully? Of course. Do you think Vince Scully is the greatest baseball broadcaster? I think Vince Scully is probably the greatest announcer of any sport of all time. Okay, okay during, during right Clayton Kershaw's already. no-hitter mm-hmm. in 2014, mm-hmm. he said the word no-hitter – 5,392 times yeah. during that broadcast, yeah. he didn't jinx it. Yes, because it's Vin Be Scully. Like Vin Scully. No, no, no. Tell the Vin audience Scully. the story less like Max. Vin Scully is, is, has a direct line to the baseball gods. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. I'm no Vin Scully. What are you, no. crazy? No, you are certainly none of us is Vin. No. Well, well, how about speaking <laughs> of us is Vin? See, I, I, don't, I never believed in all these jinxes, and I don't care what. Me sport. neither. Speak it into existence, man. You want something to happen, say it out loud. Or say just, it with your chest, Max. Or you're on TV. Tell people no. what's going on I in did. the world. They could get it from context. And, in fact, I, I, I offered too much because right away he gave up the no-hitter. Maybe if you told him it's he was going to no-hitter. It's interesting. Boone sent him out there. 
and and Dave Roberts wouldn't send Kershaw out there mm-hmm. earlier this later, year. Later, later in the game though, like that's that's part later in the season. No, Kershaw was that seven. No, I'm sorry, later in the season. I oh, mean, Kershaw, Kershaw that was his yeah. first start of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, stretch I him it. out. Yeah. yeah, I get it. But I it was just so early. How many pitches was he on, Evan? 75, 80? It was 80, I think. It was like 80. A perfect game, 80 pitches. That's so tough. He was breezing. Oh, that's tough. Did you hear Kershaw the other day? He was on Sunday Night Baseball with the guys, and he said, like, looking back on it, he kind of has, you know, a little – I don't want to say regret, but like thinks that like if he had to do it again, maybe just batter by batter, guys, batter by batter. Well, no, he's in a different situation, like you just mentioned. No, Evan, you mentioned that it was earlier in the season. Now we're later in the season. My mind is thinking something totally different. It's like now I would do it if 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 in fact it was today. I would do it opposed to where it was at the start of the but season. But, Key, at that moment when he got up there and he said, well, you know, I'm all about winning games. I was like, come on, man, don't give me the company line. Tell me what you actually think about. Well, that was at the beginning but that was at the I beginning don't understand the why they didn't let him go batter to batter. Just see how many pitches it takes him to get the next guy out like that. By the way, back to Cortez because that's the fresh news. I'm telling you right now, Yankees are real hot this year so far. If this kid, if this guy, young man, 27 already, if this guy becomes a front end of the rotation starter and Severino keeps coming back, right, the way he is. What is he, he right is, now? Uh, Cortez? Yeah. Cort- what is he, three, four, four? Where, where is he in the starting rotation? He's like, I guess you could say he's four? the four. Yeah. So I'd you're say, saying if he can get in a two spot. Yeah, or the three behind Severino. If he becomes a legit three and you have three front-end guys because Montgomery's good and Tyon's good, Yankees can go all the way. Keyshawn, J. Willemax presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, let's get back to the NBA. All right, time for Jay's round ball rankings. What you got, Jay? All right, here we go. Just getting my stuff together here. Right now, Max, do you want to tell the people what my round ball rankings is about? Your round ball rankings, Jay, are about top MVPs who should not have won it. In the last, I don't know, throughout your lifetime watching basketball, right? Yeah. Which is shorter than your lifetime. Yes. So you probably have more context than me. For sure. All right. Here we go. At four. Obviously, we're going to talk about this. I could care less, but watching Joel Embiid play in the playoffs, seeing how many 30-point games he's had straight up, what he's been able to do, shooting percentage. I know people want to use PER, but it's pretty apparent that I feel and am starting to feel more and more the more I'm surrounded by Allen Gates, Max Kellerman, Keyshawn Johnson, and Everett Wilner on a day-to-day basis, that Joel Embiid should have won the MVP for what he's been doing. So that's, that's the closest recency bias. We'll start off there. But the next three, though, just blow my mind. Let's go to number three. At three. Steve Nash over Kobe in 2006. So you're telling me, Kobe, the second greatest shooting guard in the history of basketball, first off, only has one MVP. But that year, he led the league in scoring. Very MJ-like, Max, right? Mm-hmm. Stats, 35 points per game, five and a half rebounds, four and a half assists. Placed all defensive first team in addition to all NBA first team. But finished fourth in the MVP race. What? And he lost to Steve Nash, who averaged 19 and what? 11, who was a defensive liability that year. Kobe was second in PER. Steve Nash, not even top 10. What? Steve Nash won it over Allen Iverson that year. What are we doing? What? Respect and love to you, Steve Nash. But damn, they got it wrong. That's number three. Give me another Steve Nash, Yates. At two. 2005, run it back again the year before. Shaq, averaged 23 points per game, 10 and a half rebounds, two and a half blocks, shooting 60% what? from the floor. 
This is Superman who finished second in the league in PER. Running back Steve Nash, 15 and a half points for a game, 12 assists. These aren't shabby numbers by any means, but I'm still saying didn't even finish top 10 in the PER. By the way, Lakers won the championship that year. Once again, going to Max's point about can we just factor in postseason play into the MVP conversation? Steve Nash, you got two, but damn, you should have had zero. Next up. And running point. This one. And look, I'm a Chi-Town guy. I know what D. Rose brought to the game of basketball was special as a young MVP. But in 2011, D. Rose winning the MVP over LeBron James just blew my mind. LeBron James led in every statistical category. Everyone. He averaged 27 points per game, eight rebounds per game, seven assists, 15.6 in win shares. Rose, 25 points per game, four and a half rebounds, eight assists a game, 13.1 win shares. And also led in PER for LeBron James, and Rose finished ninth max. But the reason why we didn't give it to LeBron James, because of everything that happened the offseason prior. It was the dramatic, I'm going to take my talents down to South Beach. And it just left a salty taste in a lot of voters' mouths. But there's no way in hell you can look back on this and say that Derrick Rose deserved the MVP over LeBron. You could put put LeBron on for a number of years on that list. Two or three. By the way, Michael Jordan back in the day, they gave Magic a couple. They gave Barkley one. They gave... Jordan was so much better than everyone and, and played 82 games a year. They have fatigue. The whole thing. They have fatigue. They have fatigue. They gave him five. He deserved ten. I mean, eight without question, but ten probably Jordan. So I could point to one. And great players won it, but come on, man. They, they no, were. Barkley, Barkley deserved it the year he got it. Over MJ? Oh, not over MJ. The year that Barkley got it, though, Barkley was – he had just missed it, I think, the prior year before that. They gave it to somebody else. So you know how it is. You miss, then they give you one. I mean, what but, about you know, Magic early on? When MJ, back before, when no one was ever going to do a triple-double with 30 points again, right, ever. MJ went 32-8-8. Eight and eight. It was like, just, he was, look, people knew. Like, Bobby Knight knew when he was still in the, on the Olympic team. Larry Bird knew when he saw him in year three. Best player of all time. Like, they knew it already. And they were giving us, like, we can't give this young guy the award every year. So he wins one. Then they gave one to Magic. They gave another one to Magic. Barkley came in second. I remember as a kid being like, really, everyone? See, kid, the year before, yeah, they Magic gave it to was Jordan. Magic was winning championships. Yeah, he had a team with him, too. But, he wasn't, but, Regular, but Jordan wasn't winning championships. This is the same conversation that we having right now today with, with Jokic and Embiid. What are you doing in the regular season that you can do in the playoffs? And Jokic isn't doing the same thing Embiid is doing in the playoffs. But he's getting he's the still, award, though. Yeah, but he got the award. But my whole point is he doesn't deserve in getting the award over Embiid where Magic deserved to get it over Jordan because he was winning MJ didn't have a single other all-star on his doesn't team. Matter, it doesn't like, matter, though. It was, it was MJ before Charles Barkley, and then Charles Barkley won it, but MJ won it the year before. Fatigue. It's the same thing as you have in 2008 with LeBron James and James Harden, right? The fatigue of LeBron James, <laughs> even though he beat James Harden in every statistical category. The only time where, where my eyebrows raised was they used to – I mean, LeBron should have won it every year – but the f- there was a season where another guy actually deserved it, and they gave it to him, and I was like, damn. And that's when you really had to start, like, wow, he's arrived. It was when KD got the MVP that one year. I'm like, yeah, he probably deserved it. And that was the first time when they didn't give it to LeBron where I was like, okay, I get it. 
I get it. The interesting thing, though, keep moving forward, though, like you think about Giannis has won this award twice, two in a row. Now you have Nikola Jokic, who's won it two in a row. And you think about the international players in their dominance. They always dominance get two in a row. Over yeah, those two Giannis, in a row, right? No, it, that wasn't last year, year before. Yeah, year before. But, but by the way, Giannis got finals MVP last year and potentially could get finals MVP again this year, even if he missed out on the overall MVP award. So think about that dominance over a, a stretch of period. And you think about the international players in the game that are up for it. Luka is always in the conversation. Joel mm-hmm. Embiid's in the conversation. Like, you know, like it, it, it's interesting Luka's about in – Luka's in the conversation, but he fades yeah, out of true. the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Until a Russell he gets Wilson in two. football. He gets in the conversation, and all of a sudden, no when the conversation's it. in and it's over with, he's not mentioned. He's only no. about 17 years old, though. He has some time. No need to take a jab at Russell Wilson, just inadvertently. No, I'm not there. taking There's a no jab at him. I'm just saying, uh, smarty pants. I don't know what you mean. He has, like, great half seasons. <laughs> yeah, well, just at the start of – what? What happened to Key Jam just then? I don't know. No, I couldn't – I've stopped because Evan said something. I couldn't understand what he was saying. Mm. It well, happens. The NBA playoffs, at any rate, are on ESPN Radio. You can tune in tonight as the Heat host the Sixers. You got somewhere to be, got to be in the car, no problem. Presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. A blockbuster trade that could fix two NBA franchises. That's next on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Let's pause. I need you to repeat that slowly so the American people can hear what you just said. What did you just say? I said, Stephen A., that if I'm the Lakers, I would really consider trading Anthony Davis for Kyrie Irving. 
And let me explain why, okay? I think that it's time for both franchises to get a new change. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. You heard what Kendrick Perkins said coming in. Nets Lakers should do the AD for Kyrie trade. Said it on first take Friday. KD, sorry, AD for Kyrie. First of all, Jay, could that could that happen? No way in hell. I I hear how if you were the Lakers, it would be a, a great thing. But if you're the Brooklyn Nets, if you're Joe Sy, if you're Sean Marks, the owner and the GM of the team, if you're looking at trading Kyrie, first and foremost, you have to check in with KD to make sure that there is alignment there. Because as a gambling man myself, as a betting man, I would bet probability is very high that that wouldn't be okay. So even let's, let's just say hypothetically, Max and Key, you go over KD's head and you want to see what the market is like. And KD hears through rumors from other players or other people that knows, you know, his team, Rich Climbing the company, that they are thinking of trading Kyrie Irving to a team that people have compared him against for the longest time and him and LeBron James, for who's the greatest player in the game, Giannis, all these other guys, right? But just him and LeBron James. KD would be absolutely livid. If that trade did go down, there's no way that KD would stay here in Brooklyn. Because that trust would be broken on how they went about going. The only way that would ever be able to happen, Key, is if KD gave them the okay to trade Kyrie, which I never see KD doing throughout everything that's happened this year. You have not once heard Kevin Durant come out and say anything negative at all about Kyrie. No, he hasn't. Think it's thieves, man. These guys are brothers. They're not being separated at all. No, he hasn't come out, and at least I haven't read anything or seen anything uh, where there's some sort of dissension, turmoil uh, going on with between the two. And in these situations with a guy like this, who essentially is the leader of the team, who at the end of the day has to sign off on it, like you said, it would be a great thing for the Lakers if it was to happen. Uh, Anthony Davis, I think, is 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 won a championship here. We thank him for that. But if we can get Kyrie Irving and LeBron James back together, I think we certainly would entertain that for sure. Kyrie would fit perfect in L.A. You don't have to worry about, you know, the 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 what would we call? I don't want to call it weirdness, quirkiness, but just his his view of things. I can see where he would fit right into the Southern California landscape, where it's a little bit different in New York. You know, some of the things that that he believes in or he may have done uh, disappearing acts of sorts. People in New York probably, you know, look at it differently. We're in L.A. It's like, okay, well, cool, you can play. We All we care about is if you can play basketball, we'll help you out with the other stuff. And we might as, we, we may go and join you with some of the stuff as well. So um, <laughs> We're all headed you know, to Venice Beach. In hell, yeah, we're, all, we're all headed to Venice Beach. We're all, we're all, let's do this together. I mean, that's just a. The, the, the landscape that we are on the West Coast, a little bit different. But I think he would fit in perfectly. And I think LeBron James, in the end, if this was real, he would probably sit down and really have a deep heart-to-heart with Kyrie and talk about the opportunity if this was real. There are several reasons why it wouldn't work for Brooklyn if I were Brooklyn. Number one, forget and with, just apart from the Kyrie-KD uh, dynamic, the friendship and everything, right? Number one... You're losing, you've already lost sh- a lot of shooting going hard into Simmons, who also can't seem to get on the court, right? 
Now you're going to lose going shooting going from Kyrie to AD. So that's a lot of shooting to lose. But, hey, Simmons and, and, and AD, the height and the defense and everything, but then also the availability. AD is also usually not available, and Simmons hasn't been available. So it's too many layers, too many variables to make that deal. But I want everyone to think for a second how the world has changed. A year or two ago, Kyrie could never get you AD in a trade. No one was – AD was talked about, is he a top five player? Kyrie was not. AD was talked about, like, like in order to get AD, you had to move heaven and earth. And there was a sense with Kyrie that you, they were, like, or they, would they give him away almost? Not quite, but – and now you fast forward a little bit, and the world has changed. The NBA has changed. AD does not have a lot of trade value right now, and people are recognizing what Kyrie brings to the table on the court. Our perception of the NBA has changed. I agree, Max. And also, I would say this too, Keith. Yeah, to a degree. Well, I mean, he's played 36 games or averaged around 36 games. No, I'm just laughing. Like Max said, the NBA has changed. I'm laughing because I'm like, two years ago, like you said, ah, you could get you could get anybody to buy Kyrie. It, AD was the toast of the town. Now it's like, ah, get out. You're, you, give us a pack of nickels and a some candy. Yeah. But I, I, I honestly, frankly, as a Nets fan, I'm, I'm cool with it, with recognizing. I laugh at this hypothetical trade, right? Because I understand that we're living in a world now where it's polarizing hot takes all the time, and you come up with interesting things to say. Like I think about interesting things to say around how I see the game all the time. But when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets – like, put things in perspective, right? Kyrie did, was able to play. He didn't come through, but he is able to play now. Ben Simmons did get back surgery. We'll see how he recovers. This team didn't have Joe Harris. They didn't have the continuity. So think about if you were able to have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, and Seth Curry surrounded with shooters, that's a championship contending team if they can stay on the path. And I know people say, well, there's always something, but okay, I like my healthy, chances with that team. If they could stay healthy, they'd be an enormous favorite like against the rest of the league. I like my chances with that team. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. They'd be the number one team to win the championship by the odds makers by a lot. But, and this is why you can't do the AD deal, even if you were inclined to do it. Even if KD would, hey, gung-ho about it. The, if healthy. That's been the Nets' whole thing since they put this thing together. KD has been hurt a bunch. Kyrie was not available oftentimes for various reasons. Harden wasn't available at times, including in the playoffs when he came back to play, but it wasn't Harden. Two years, you know, in the, in the previous postseason. And now Simmons hasn't gotten on the court yet for don't him. Jinx, don't jinx my team. You're the do, point is you, can't br- you cannot bring in a, 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 such, like a, a player who's so injury-prone in AD that at his best he was playing 60 games a year, and now we're just hoping for that again. Key, can I tell you something random? Uh, go right ahead. While Max mean? is making his point, he has... He had food in his mouth, and all the particles from the food untrue. Just ended all over untrue. the microphone. That is not true. All over the mic. He Jay just wiped the microphone with never his napkin. Happened. Never happened. Live during the show, Key. Never happened. Just the spits of. I would never eat during the show. That is an outrageous lie. No, it was from before. That's okay. We're going to move forward with this, and we're going to concentrate on the Lakers trade. It was like the Matrix, Steve. And here's what I would say about this trade in it. And if it was to be realistic, AD's got to want to buy in to play a different to play the five, for instance, because what is he gonna play? You gonna you gonna move him? He's gonna want to shoot and be the four to three. Like where where is he gonna fit into what Brooklyn wants to do? 
that, that the, the, the it, deal to me isn't I, I don't see that being realistic. if he was healthy look if ad was averaging 62 65 games a year you could justify it easily because if ben simmons were healthy and ad were healthy though they would lose a ton of shooting they would just, they, that don't even look like a right that don't even but that part, doesn't even look like a team but though. that's partly because everyone's six foot ten right yeah like, right yeah. i mean it's like nine feet dudes no, running it's around real <laughs> but it would be a lot for people to handle especially if you have guys like, you know, Seth Curry and Joe Harris and guys who can shoot on the roster. What would just... the average three be? What do you mean with the average three? Just the three. If AD, Ben Simmons, and KD were on the team, what what, what, what the average is that? About six, seven? 11. Six, six, 11. Yeah. Six, 11. Yeah. Around yeah. six, 11. Six, 11 with high usage players who can really play. I mean, but, but you know, it's just, it, it's, it's pie in the sky because God, of be a, tall. many reasons. Oh, availability, relationships, every a lot of the way team fit, a lot of stuff. Yeah, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I'm just I'm 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 staying the way I am. Like so you get ready to give Kyrie this money then? Yeah, when, when uh, is, Kyrie's when, getting his when, money anyway. When He's is in, that? June what? Uh, it's it's coming, coming up soon. whenever it coming is. Up huh? soon, yeah. <laughs> would you look to move Ben Simmons? No, no, no. I would not. I'm not keeping him here. I traded assets for him. I'm keeping him here. How one NBA player turned back the clock and helped even a series. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Guys, we actually talked about this earlier in the show, but so I'm on this just in yesterday, and there's breaking news of the kind. Nestor Cortez, the Yankees uh, lefty, has a no-hitter going at the time it was into the sixth. He took it into the eighth inning, so he completed seven innings, took it into the eighth. But at the time, I think he was in the sixth inning, maybe in the seventh. And my producer, Brian Bork, who was my producer on first take also for a while, was, you know, he's a Red Sox fan. And he was very interested in me talking about it on the air because, obviously, he wanted to jinx the Yankees. So, Key, when I came out on the air, I said, this just in, you know, Nestor Cortez, Yankees lefty, has not given up something through seven innings, he has an interesting thing going on there, and I wouldn't say it, you know, explicitly because I didn't want to jinx him. I mean, he lost a no hitter anyway. But oh, so, like, what's the point? Yeah, but when did you? When did you? When did you come on on the seventh? You came in the yeah. seventh. Yeah, yeah. So he went one out. I mean, he went one more inning, and eighth he lost it anyway. You might as well say it. Why wouldn't you give the people something that they want to listen to? Speak it into existence. They want to hear it. Yes. What's much more important than doing my oh, job damn professionally jinx. and being objective <laughs> and and telling anyone the news? Is uh, my rooting interest in the New York Yankees? So, like that, just that ta- you know, that takes precedence. You have to have your priorities in order. No, uh, you root. That's right. You you want your priorities. You want to root, but it doesn't mean that you're going to jinx it. There's great 
announcers, Hall of Fame announcers, people that we strive to be like yeah. Vince Scully. No, you okay? don't try to strive to be Vince Scully. There's only one Vince Scully. It, I'm no, not foolish do. enough to think I have a direct line to the baseball well, guys like Vince Scully does. You're changing yourself then, Max. By That's the way, the problem. Max, is this a new age where you, as a commentator, as a host, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can be a fan of a team? Because 10 years ago, that was frowned upon. I've just you been that be a way. fan of anybody. I've, I've been that I'll way my whole life. I don't I care what I'm doing. I'm rooting for upon, the Yankees. That's frowned upon in the people you hang around, Jay. Real journalists. We're not real uh, journalists. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. yeah, Max, definitely not real journalists. No, no, I'm not a journalist. So, Come real on. journalists, you can't cheer in the press box so, and all that sort of stuff. Jay, those are people. Us, on the other hand? The people no. you're thinking of, they have integrity. Uh, oh. Not, not here. Wow. Well, I do yeah. have integrity. I'm a Yankees fan <laughs> through and through. You can't listen to my opinions about the Yankees without a grain of salt. Come on. Look, I believe in that. The the thing about especially baseball, but sports generally, and fans know, you can jinx your team. So if someone's like, like, for example, Evan's talking tough now, but if the Jets were in the Super Bowl and we were all having some Super Bowl watch party and I was like, and the Jets had a three-point lead and I was like, Evan, this is in the bag. What would you say? Evan I would, would, I would w- punch you in the face. Right. In what lifetime and come punch me right in the face. But, what lifetime yeah, but, would that be? Yeah, Max, you're not speaking in reality. The Jets exactly. they aren't going to be in the Super Bowl and <laughs> win have a three-point lead. And first of all, you don't say this is in the bag. You say, hey, we're going to win this So game. you believe Jets, so you believe Jets, we'll be in the Super Bowl. I, have, I, I promise you, you. G-Sean, J-Will, and Max, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers. Tim Legler with us now. What's going on, Tim? What's up? How are we? Well, you tell me how to feel about the Warriors' chances at an NBA title this year after last night. Better or worse? Oh, better. I'm, I'm not phased at all. If they won that game, the way they shot the basketball. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. You think about it. They still found a way to win, and one of their guys showed his greatness when they had to have it. Steph Curry was sensational in the fourth quarter. Now, look, Memphis contributed to it greatly. The shot selection was horrific to try to close out a game. But, you know, John Morant has been their closer, obviously, in the postseason. I know they won a lot of games in the regular season without John Morant. I know. That number's been played over and over and over and over again. It wasn't a quality of team like this. Right, so they go five deep as guys that can really, really hurt you, and it was Curry. Memphis contributed because they took quick, bad shots. They had some untimely turnovers, and they didn't play with a lot of poise down the stretch. But I look at it more like they Warriors won a game on a night when I don't think I have ever seen Steph and Clay collectively in the same night shoot the ball like that for three quarters, and they still found a way to win that game. Uh, Tim, have anybody ever fired you up when you was playing, got underneath your skin? Because clearly Giannis got underneath Al Harford's skin, as you heard coming in. Take a listen to this. Yeah, I don't really know what he said to me, but the way he was looking at me and the way that he was going about it uh, really didn't sit well with me. 
and and at that point, I think just something switched uh, with me, um, and then in the game. Oh what yeah, that, that? That, that could be me at, at the grocery store checkout line. I see a dude like looking, you know, I, I could get something under my skin. So Al Horford is one of the mo- he's always been one of my favorite players. I think he puts on a hard hat, goes to work every night as an undersized center in this league all those years. Uh, it takes a lot to get him to respond. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that he was looking at Giannis, nodding his head, saying, OK, okay you got oh, me. that's how okay. it's going to yeah. be. All right. It's that kind of party. All right. I got something for that. And he responded to that. Says a lot about the character of Al Horford. It's also amazing to think a guy that's been this good throughout his career is playing probably the best offense I've ever seen him play, and he's about to turn 36. It's it's almost indescribable how good he has been in the postseason. It was it was the dunk when he dunked it on Giannis later, and then oh, yeah. and then by the way that that elbow well it was an inadvertent elbow. I don't know what what was his elbow doing there after the, the dunk. He, he he knocked Giannis down with an elbow after the dunk and was screaming about it like. Yeah. I, well, that's he was why they gave up. him a dead ball technical, right? Because it was after the play was over. But it also was a sign because I didn't see Al Horford look back at Giannis at all to make sure he was okay. It's like, yo, when you're engaged in battle. Legs, I wanted to ask you something, though, because every time I feel like – I sometimes try to put myself in the position mentally of the team. And when I think about Boston, they have to be looking at themselves and saying, okay, we are the more complete team than the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, we are the better team top to bottom. But we haven't been living up to that expectation. Do you think they started to realize last night that they were the better team without Chris? Mid- I mean, Chris Middleton is a huge piece that's missing for the Bucks. The the Celtics should be up three games to one in this series. Yeah, they don't have an answer offensively now in that middle area of the floor that Chris Middleton excels at. So it's it's a huge factor. Uh, has Boston realized that? I think the the way they pulled away from them in a moment when really everything's hanging in the balance. I mean, yes. you're talking about going out 3-1. They're not, I don't think they're winning three straight against the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So they, they know the position they were in. I think two things played into it. One, Horford and Tatum were sensational. But I also think Giannis Antetokounmpo, for one of the few times I can recall, looked completely gassed. I mean, you go back and look at some of their possessions late. couple stand out in my, in, to my, in my mind where he went up the floor and sort of went off to the wing or the corner and was bent over with his hands on his shorts as the possession is starting in a critical time in the game. And I think what it is, it's all that physicality he's playing through. Grant Williams, Al Horford, Jalen Brown. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, by the way, Marcus Smart is always lurking as the second guy willing to throw his body in front. And I just think it took a toll on him. Now, does that mean it's going to continue the rest of the series? No, but in that game and in that moment, it absolutely wore him down, and then they converted on the other end. Look. It's a best of three. Boston's got two of those at home. Milwaukee has to win another road game. Boston does not. The edge has Robert to go Williams to the Celtics. Robert Williams is back. Yeah, coming back. And I, and I still think if you go ahead and doubt the greatness of Giannis Antetokounmpo, it could be at your own peril mm. because I still think he can be the best player on the floor by a wide margin and go win you know, two out of these three games. I don't think the Bucs are cooked. Yeah. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Tim, come out here with me to the West Coast and talk about the Warriors for a minute here. Did last night make you feel any better or worse about the Warriors' chances of winning the NBA title? Uh, I actually feel a little bit better, believe it or not, as bad as they were offensively, Key, and I know people might be shocked by that and think, oh, they looked so bad last night. How can you think they could win a title? I'll look at the opposite. They won a game in which they looked that bad. And, and look – it's a lot of factors played into it. A couple things, and again, I've said this about Clay Thompson earlier, but 
Clay right now, I mean, he's hunting so bad. He's, it's snowballing against him the other way. If they move the ball a little bit more and he takes better shots to start so he can get in a rhythm early in the game, I think Clay Thompson's going to be fine. I thought Jordan Poole looked tentative last night, and he's a big reason, Jay, why and Key, why I think they can win it all because they have another elite offensive player they've discovered here in the midst of this season. He didn't look that way last night. And I don't know if someone was in his ear thinking he's shooting too much or what it was, but he was looking all over the place last night when he got the ball rather than what he's been looking at, which is the guy in front of him, and go annihilate that guy. If he gets back to that, I feel really good about the Warriors. That's as bad as Steph and Clay can shoot the ball on the same night, and they still found a way to win that game. So I think the Warriors are going to be just fine escaping this series and then getting on to the conference finals. But you got to get one more against Memphis. Legs, this pains me for Memphis just because I – them losing that game, obviously not having John Moran on the floor down the stretch really hurt them. Dylan Brooks has been a shell of themselves. But I, I think they found something, though, with Steven Adams and the physicality. You know, they were missing that, obviously, with health and safety protocol. But it goes back to game one. If, like, game one in Memphis, if they had gotten that game, this would have been a different series overall. Yeah. Well, the problem I always have with it is going back. And I say, well, okay, if Memphis wins that game, then we can assume that the next – three play out exactly the same way. Maybe they don't. Maybe Golden State feels some sort of desperation, right, at a certain True. time, down 1-0. So I look at it like this. There's a reason that teams close out games, there's a, and there's a reason some teams fail. I thought last night, you know, as great as Curry was, Memphis shot selection. Oh, horrible. Like, like the pull-up three Dylan, Dylan Brooks, Brooks took man. with 51 seconds left in the game. I, I could watch tape of every game played this season. I'd have a hard time finding worse shot than that shot. It was right in the beginning of the shot clock. You're up one. You're not feeling it at all. I think it was a a classic case of a guy feeling like, I got to do something here to imprint this series and help my team with everything that's going on. I'm not playing well. I got suspended. All the attention has been on me in a negative way. I'm going to make up for it right here. And that was just the worst timing on a critical possession. And I think it gave many chances to win right out the door. I still feel if they have jobs, 2-2. But they don't. They didn't. It's not 2-2. The Warriors won a game they didn't play very well in. I hear you, Legs. How long until Zach Wilson is an MVP candidate, if ever? He has the answer next on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.